Welcome forward now. You're listening to the Millionaire's Roundtable. I am your host, Lynn Richardson, here on KBLA Talk 1580. And we are creating millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time, and one dime at a time. And that means you. The harvest is here and the time is now. And oh boy, we got a whole lot to talk about. And to talk about it today, I have my girl, our legend, our icon, my sister and business partner and friend, MC Light is here on the round table. We got to just get right into this one. Thank you so much for joining me today, Light. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much, Lynn. Good day to you. Are you um, well? Because I'm not well. Oh. I'm not well. I'm not well at all. Well, this is my thing. Okay, so you heard the news about uh, Ryan Coolidge being mistaken for a bank robber. You, as a matter of fact, you got the whole story. I'm just, you know, I'm like Medea. What is going on? What happened? You, well, from my understanding, because I have gotten bits and pieces, you know, I work like you. So I'm moving and moving around. and But I, I was hit with the story several times in one day, coming into contact with either radio or TV or social media. And that is, he went, excuse me, the director of Black Panther, an all-time, you know, favorite amongst the community and the world, in fact, international appeal was amazing for this movie. In any case, he walks into a bank. He has his mask on. I believe he may have had some shades on, which is not unusual in the daytime. Um, Maybe even a hat on. But he wasn't trying to disguise himself. He was actually being himself, which, you know, is everyday wear, also with a mask that is required. Okay? Correct. So he... Because we are in a pandemic, right. Exactly. From what I understand, he had a note that uh, basically said what he was trying to do, and that was to withdraw $12,000 from his bank account. And the only reason why he had a note is because he wanted to be discreet about it. He's out in Atlanta right now. And you know what? It really wouldn't matter where I was. I'm not trying to withdraw that amount of money and be extremely vocal and loud about it at a bank. Correct. Because you can walk out and get robbed. Let me tell um, you. First of all, yeah. just 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 put a pin in that right there. Okay. There is one it. bank in particular here on the West Coast. On the West Coast, um, as soon as you walk in, they ask you, "Why are you here today?" Would you get out of my face? Why would you ask people? why they're there and in front of all these other people like they literally ask you and i remember being in this bank and overhearing so many people say what they were in the bank for they think they're doing customer service but they're not okay keep going girl i'm i'm hot today oh, i'm hot that's, that's an interesting point it's like they're trying to get their staff ready for what it is that you may need but it alerts everyone else to what it is that you're there to do Exactly. <laughs> which is which is silly as all get out. You know, that that's people that ain't a, accustomed to hood life. You yeah. Know, like putting your money in your sock. You right. Know, my mama used to make me put my money in my deep down in my sock. <laughs> and her 
her father, my papa, used to make her put her money in a sock in her pants and safety pin it to the inside of, of her trousers. Let me tell you, we had all sorts of ways. Tell them about where Grandma B used to keep that twenty dollars. Oh, baby, in the room on top of the shelf, behind the box, inside a pocketbook, inside the uh, the zipper, wrapped up in a piece of paper towel. Yeah. <laughs> It's like 15 hiding places. She always has some paper towel in her purse. Let me tell you, I don't know. So oh anyway, so Ryan Coolidge goes into the bank. He goes he's into the bank. He's he being discreet as he should he's be. As he should be. And he also said that on the note. He's trying to be discreet and does not want to count the money there. She then asked for him some, uh, she asked him for ID. He then produces his California driver's license. She looks at it and thinks that it's not real, or I don't know what she thought, but at that moment, she thought it was probable cause to notify the police that they were being robbed. Wow. You know, it's so sad. And, and just now I gave off a laugh, but that laugh was from sadness, from embarrassment for her, embarrassment for him. It was just totally unnecessary to handle that matter that way. And this is someone who's probably so uneducated about us as a people probably uh, has has not come into contact with people of color outside of that bank to go to the extreme measures of thinking that you're being robbed. Or she's in La La Land watching too many movies and, and TV shows that when somebody comes to her with a real valid request and supports it by showing them a valid form of identification and you call the police. And you know what is so, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's bittersweet because this man is in a position. How much money was he withdrawing? 12, from what I read, $12,000. Okay. Allegedly. So, yeah, so he's withdrawing whatever sum, whatever amount of money. First of all, the fact that he can actually do that. He can actually walk into a bank um, in America in this day and age um, as a black man and he has the assets to actually withdraw. I'm, I'm just confused because it's almost like, and we know that there have been other scenarios. We can't put our money in the bank and we can't get it out. It's like, which, what are we supposed to do around here? It's the, That's crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, on the next segment, I'd really like to hear that story about not being able to put your money in the bank. Oh, yeah. yes, honey. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. We have to talk about this because there are African-Americans, people of color, who can't even put their money in the bank when they try to, to make it grow. The harvest is here and the time is now. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Welcome forward now. This is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time, and one dime at a time. And that means you.
Yes, the harvest is here and the time is now, but we confused because it seems like they're trying to take it away. I don't understand. Light, thank you so much for being here with me today on the roundtable. This Ryan Coolidge issue um, with him being arrested for being discreet in a bank in Atlanta trying to uh, withdraw uh, a large sum of money um, and trying to be discreet so he doesn't have to count it in front of everybody that's standing there in the bank and get robbed as soon as he goes outside is um, is unmatched, uh, but only by the other issue, the flip side, where there have been um, notable cases wherein, for example, um, one of the former NFL players, you know, had a large sum of money he wanted to put in the bank. And he was going to be a, a private client, basically, you know, clients with large sums of money who then get special services, you know, discounts on things and, you know, individualized attention when they go to the bank. And, uh, you know, the, the investment banker was caught on tape. This was a couple of years ago. And I don't want to, you know, disparage any particular institution's name because I, I understand that, you know, we are moving forward towards diversity and inclusion. And I am proud to be a part of that message. Um, but, you know, it was it was very well known and he could not put his money in the bank. There was another case like um, wherein a an African-American woman, she had gotten a large sum of money. It was either from the lottery or in, an, uh, you know, a, a life insurance um, disbursement. And she wanted to put her money in the bank and couldn't do it there because they thought, well, you know, those people, they don't do the right thing with their money. Like it, it really is something. And the thing that gets me that really makes my heart just um, hurt a bit for Ryan Coolidge, it was a regular day. He woke up in the morning to take care of some mm. business, mm. to handle something. Mm-hmm. Who knows what for? You know, we've mm. been on the road over the past decade or more and handling large transactions from time to time. We don't do that anymore. Um, so don't think you about to come get me because I don't have it, all right? Um, but we used to, we were on, you know, people listening, child, they be like, uh-uh, I don't have it. We don't handle large transactions on the road um, anymore. But yeah, there have been times, I remember being on um, one particular tour with you and I became the general manager of that tour. And there were nights where I had, uh, you know, half a million dollars in cash in my backpack because that's what we had to pick up at the theater that day. And there was no bank open and we're on the road and we're in some, you know, little town that doesn't have one of the regular banks and so on and so forth. But he went to the bank to handle some business, to take care of something, who knows, a sick relative, a friend, a business transaction, whatever it was. And he mm-hmm. ended up getting arrested. Do you understand how yeah. traumatic that is? It just, it just doesn't make any sense. But I mean, it, that that's usually how we are met with systemic racism. It, it, we're totally taken off guard. We have people who have been driving with their families, with their kids in their cars and pulled out of their cars. Like, the, Lynn... If we went through all of the names of the people that didn't expect 
stuff to go down the way they did because of racism, we'd be here until kingdom come. Yep. Yep. People minding their own business, trying to get their life handled. And they're met with someone who is just uncomfortable with the notion and the sight of of people of color. Yes. It, it leaves them uneasy. They don't know how to handle it. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes I think it might even be jealousy. You know, um, you you know, when when a when a customer comes up to the window, there's a certain expectation, I guess, that, you know, the teller may have. And the person gives you their ID, account number, whatever. And you open their, you look at their account or whatever it is that happens. And you're like, oh, you know, I know that there have been times when, you know, I might have been looking a little grimy, you know, baseball cap or, you know, I'm just on the move and I'm, I'm there and I'm handling something. And there have been times when I literally, I took my glasses off and I looked the person in the face so that they could see that the person on the ID is, ID is actually me. I know I might not look like uh, this person. And when I first approached you, I may not look like I have that many accounts with that amount of money in it. That that might surprise and alarm, you know, some folks, um, especially if they got to work that day and they're, you know, they're having trouble taking care of their family or paying their bills and, you know, so on. But there's all kind of discrimination. So I just started looking up some of these issues, you know, first of all, what um, are some examples of discrimination in lending and banking? And the number mm-hmm. one area for discrimination, I don't think people realize this, it's providing a different customer service experience mm-hmm. to, yes, to mm-hmm. mortgage mm-hmm. applicants or banking customers, depending on their race, color, religion, sex, and that includes gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, sexual and sexual harassment, familial status, national origin, or disability. And it is, uh, you know, it's running rampant. And for the first time, for the first time in 2020, um, there was a bill presented to prohibit discrimination in financial services. This is for the first time ever. Wow. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's so many things there, there's even discrimination in like, unfortunately in the financial services world, uh, if you are dealing with someone who has to make a decision on your loan or someone who has to make a decision on your account, their opinions are sometimes discriminatory. Um, their beliefs, I'll give you one example, which is why I started the homebuyers club. Someone of color may turn in a tax return and that tax return may show that the person owed some money in taxes. Someone Mm -hmm. who is of the majority may turn in that same tax return and that same that tax return shows that they owe money in taxes. Well, Mm -hmm. the assumption is that the person of majority has the money somewhere to pay even if it's not in a, in a bank account that you see on that mortgage application. Mm-hmm. But I have had it happen that an underwriter will ask someone of color, well, how are you going to pay your taxes? That's not your business. That's not your business. Right, right. 
It's not your business. It's not showing up on the credit report. It's not a derogatory item. Um, let's say that person only needs $20,000 to put down on their house, but they show the person owes $40,000 in taxes. Now they start asking, where are you gonna, how are you going to pay your taxes? Do you have a payment plan? All of these things. And it's assumptions that are made throughout this process. So we, we have a lot of work to do um, in terms of, you know, equity. We talk about uh, inequity in pay, inequity in opportunities, but now there is inequity just in your ability to walk inside a bank and put some money in or take some money out. The harvest is here and the time is now. Give yourself the gift of wealth with no limits. Lynn Richardson and New Wealth University is giving 50% off on the Platinum Wealth Ambassador Program. The Platinum Wealth Ambassador Program will give you two full years of unlimited access to all of Lynn's online classes, books, boot camps, master classes, and webinars. So give yourself the gift of wealth with no limits with 50% off on the Platinum Wealth Ambassador Program, available on lynnrichardson.com. The harvest is here and the time is now. Uh, Light, thank you so much for being here with me on the roundtable today. Uh, my heart just really goes out um, to, you know, our brother for the experience that he had. And my heart goes out to all of our brothers and sisters and, you know, people who are facing um, these unexpected surprise um, cases of this is actually very harmful. It's harmful to the spirit. It's harmful to the mind. It's harmful to the heart. Um, and I and I pray that something is going to be done about it. Outside of yes, let's uh, let's get a correction. His uh, last name is Kugler. Kugler. I know I'm Coolidge, right? Kugler. Okay, Kugler. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ryan Ryan Kugler. Um, this is a uh, you know it's just it's very disheartening. Um, what do you think should happen? in a case like this. I mean, the bank issuing an apology or whomever, that's just really kind of not enough. What what do you think should happen? Well, there's interestingly enough from from Ryan's side, he said that it is. He's saying, "Okay, they apologize, like let's just get on the other side of this." Okay. Was, so so he's recognizing it was a mistake on the part of the young person that worked there. Um which, you know, this is such a toss up in circumstances like this because you want to think, you know, case in point with the woman who had the money and she was looking to invest it and said bank wouldn't accept her, uh, her money as an investment, didn't want anything to do with it. Is that a broker or banker making that decision or... Has that come down from the pipeline? Well, you know, you've been in corporate America. When somebody takes a stand as in not taking somebody's money, is that coming from a higher up? Is is that coming from an executive? Have they been taught? Is that the climate within the climate and the culture within the company? Like, how does a decision get made like that? You know, yeah, um, I worked in the financial services industry uh, on the inside uh, for many years. And you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the, you know, managing director in most cases of that particular location usually is the one that uh, hands down the laws and the rules and establishes the culture of the location. 
um, when I was in the financial services industry, I worked for a great MD. I mean, he provided opportunities not only to, you know, people of color like myself who were working in the business. I ended up being number one in the company, rookie of the year, all of this stuff. And he afforded me every possible opportunity that was befitting someone who was producing at my level. Um, and in addition to that, he genuinely, whenever I had an issue with a client or if I had an issue with an elderly uh, you know, person on the south side of Chicago, I remember um, having three, they were three sisters. They were in their 70s. Um, two of them were twins. They were twins and then, a, a, and then an older sister. And um, they had so much money just sitting in their bank. And I had to, you know, help them figure out ways to invest it and turn it into cash flow for them and so on. And my MD was extremely impressed. It was as if, uh, you know, I was helping his mother or, you know, you, I never felt any disparity. I never felt any disparate treatment. I never felt any, um, you know, I didn't feel like he ever turned his nose up. It, it, I only felt respect. But I know that that's not the case in some places. In some places, the energy of that location or that region um, or, you know, even sometimes a whole institution could be um, we don't trust these people or we don't want their money or, you know, really what it comes down to. They just don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be bothered. They don't they don't want to call you Mr. or Mrs. whomever you are with X amount of dollars. They don't want to say to you, thank you so much for your business. They don't want to do it. And so I think that the, the layers of um, the hatred um, and the prejudice are extremely deep. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we actually have a friend who, come hell or high water, he is at a black institution, bank. He's at a black bank. He will find a black bank wherever he can. And so he doesn't deal with that. But I'm sure he banks at other places. But he also wants to support black banks because he understands the economic structure and the benefit of, you know, having a customers. And so he wants to lend that support to uh, local and black banks nationwide. So I would just say, you know, that's that's another way we can combat is just make it stronger, but then also hold the big banks accountable. Yeah. And yeah, they, they need to be taught. And that young lady, that banker, she I'm, I'm certain that she wasn't alone in this. I'm almost clear that she didn't make a unilateral decision. I think that when it presented itself, she may have gone to a manager and said, look, this is what I have, da-da-da-da-da. Um, I don't know that she just made that decision on her own, but I could be wrong. But it, it's it's a learning opportunity, specifically for, for that bank. I haven't heard much about that bank in this type of way. It can clearly just be a mistake, which that's what that's the uh, information they have issued. And that's also what Ryan uh, seems to be satisfied with an apology. Um, so it could be just a mistake that stems from a whole lot of mistakes made because of the ignorance.
Well, we do know that it is fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love and a sound mind. And unfortunately, fear is running rampant. And, um, you know, but there is something we can do about it. The harvest is here and the time is now. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Welcome forward now. This is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time and one dime at a time. And that means you. The harvest is here and the time is now. We are, um, you know, really, really looking for ways to um, expand access to regular everyday folks. Um, access to financial services, access to good interest rates, access to um, products that um, increase wealth um, rather than take them away. Um, Light, uh, thank you again for being here. Um, I don't know if you are aware, um, but there are two things that, that really just stand out for me. One, mortgage discrimination is a whole article in Wikipedia. Like it is a section, like you can look people up and things. Mortgage discrimination is a whole article in Wikipedia. And it goes through um, not just the redlining and steering that started happening or, or continued to happen in the early 30s, um, but many of the practices that were in place then are still in place today. And um, specifically, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, I don't know if you're aware of this, Light, I know you are big on history, uh, it, uh, provided for uh, protection against discrimination in just about everything except banking institutions. So many uh, banking institutions, unfortunately, were still um, able to have these discriminatory practices without any um, retribution, without any, um, you know, repercussions. repercussions. Yeah, <laughs> without any... Uh, repercussions or consequences. And so the Civil Rights Act of 1964 outlawed discrimination in public places and businesses, including hotels, restaurants, movie theaters, and more, but it left out the banking institutions. So um, several, uh, you know, senators got together, Sherrod Brown, Tina Smith, Cory Booker, Bob Menendez, Elizabeth Warren, and Chris Van Hollen introduced uh, the Fair Access to Financial Services Act um, to their fellow lawmakers. Um, this was late 2020. And a, and a rule was actually put in place by the OCC, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, um, to uh, make it illegal, explicitly illegal, um, to discriminate. And, and that's one thing I want people to know. Um, there is help. And I remember going through the mortgage modification process in 2008. Uh, maybe it, it could have been 2009 by then, but this was when the real estate bubble was bursting um, and houses were upside down. And um, at that particular time, the average uh, bank or mortgage company had a servicing center with maybe, I think average at that time, light was about 150 employees at a servicing center. And a servicing center is where your mortgage gets serviced. It's where they collect the payments, mm -hmm. make sure uh, they put money in the escrow account for your insurance and your taxes. They make sure that stuff gets paid. And if you miss a payment, then they are also, they have a division 
that then handles, you know, pass through payments and so on and so forth. Well, Mm -hmm. when the real estate market burst wide open in 2008, the average servicing center went from having 150 employees to well over 2000, 2000 people who did not know what they were doing because we had never been met with such a, basically an epidemic of mortgages and people not paying their mortgages. So, you know, unfortunately a lot of that was, um, people of color and a lot of people don't realize like during that time. And I know you have something to say about this. People of color were not the first ones to start foreclosing. It was people of majority who understood the science and the mathematics. They, they were not going to stay in those homes if they were upside down. So they quietly went, got another house, moved into that house, and then let the other one, you know, just go into foreclosure. It was wow. people of color who, were, who had fallen in love with the walls, who were trying to hold on to these homes and so on. So that was a, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is uh, this is news. Well, a lot of it, I guess, I had been privy to, but never really took a deep dive look into the Fair Housing Act and how it is that in 1964, uh, banking was either <laughs> conveniently left out or they just missed the whole the whole mark on it. Yeah. If if you can if you can stop that dollar from growing, then you can stop a whole community from thriving. The harvest is here and the time is now. Hi, I'm financial expert Lynn Richardson. You may have seen me on Good Morning America, The Steve Harvey Show, or Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. Guess what? Did you know you can get your money back if you hire your kids? You can get your money back if you go out to eat. You can get your money back if you go on a vacation. Well, guess what? In my book, Get Your Money Back, Tax Deductions You Never Know About, I'm going to teach you how you can get your money back with your home-based business legally, ethically, and all with the permission of the IRS. Just go to askglenn.org. Yes, welcome forward. You know, this is just such a um, a beautiful, beautiful time, I think, to reflect. Um, it's it's a beautiful time to be grateful, uh, light, It's a, and it's a beautiful mm-hmm. time um, to review, you know, what, what it is that we have. Um, I am very thankful that there have been um, some advances in this area, um, but mm-hmm. clearly there are, there's still more work to do. Definitely more work to do in all areas. You know, um, it's so funny. I was talking to somebody the other day and it, the Marvin Gaye song came up and it was like, my goodness, what he talked about is still true for today. In all sectors of life, there are people who uh, definitely want to be treated fairly, but there are others who do not know how to treat people fairly or do not care to treat people fairly. And so always it's a learn, you know, it's a learning curve as well as, you know, there are certain ages that you get to where you become aware of certain things. And then once you you get upset about it, like, oh, my God, you know, it's like the first time you found out about slavery. It's like, what? People did that to other people? And then you get, you know, you grow older, you get out of that, you understand that, you know, people are not all the same and that there will be, you know, um, there there will be people who are extremely different from the status quo. Uh, but it's about 
what can we make the status quo? How can we change it? How can we move the needle on that? And that's through education. You know, when you're separated from a people for so long, it's like, how is it that you can ever have compassion? How is it that you can be, you know, that you can envelop a new way of thinking, a new mentality around people of color? And so I'm extremely hopeful and grateful for where it is that we are, what it is that our forefathers have done prior to us, what it is that 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 list of people that you just named, Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren and those folks who came together to see fit to to uh, buck up against the system and make them accountable and for doing what's right for mankind. Yeah, you know, we interestingly enough, one of the things that um, kind of stands out for me, you know, as I said, uh, Ryan woke up yesterday or whatever day it was, whenever it was, whenever this happened, and thought that he was going to have a regular day, and it was not. And there are people who wake up every day with their biases. You know, I think outside of the three men who were responsible for killing Ahmad Arbery, Ahmad Arbery, um, they were also convicted of hate crimes. Like there are people, their text messages, their communication, their regular communication with each other was communication of hatred, communication of division, communication of utter um, disgust and murder. And this was normal for them. This was normal conversation. And so unfortunately, there are people who show up and work in these banks and work in these financial institutions with those same beliefs. And um, we still have some work to do. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. The harvest is still here. The time is still now. This is still the season uh, to win. Um, this is the season to overcome. And this is the season to keep moving. And I, and I guess I would have to say, um, yes, I'm happy uh, that he is um, like satisfied with an apology. Um, but just because he's satisfied with an apology, still, it does not mean that more can't be done. Let me just put it like that. Yes, yes, I'm in full agreement yeah. with that. And, you know, unfortunately, when you say, I accept your apology, nine times out of ten, things just go back to normal. Yes. Not as there is a plan in place for how it is that you deal with these types of circumstances. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's just training. It's more education. And it's really, you know, this is the thing. <clears throat> as an institution, if I had someone act in that way, I would pull them off the floor immediately. Like they could not service any more of my customers until they were trained properly. And then I'd have them go through a training, which might have uh, a psychoanalysis might have to be done as well. Because if your reason for doing this stems way beyond ignorance of not knowing what to do in that moment versus what you just said coming from a place of hate. Like I would have to know that about my, about my staff because I would not want them representing my company and dealing with customers in that way. 
So yeah, I would have to pull her off the floor. She she wouldn't be able to help another customer until I really knew who she was. And that takes time. That takes time and money and resources to really dig in to the psyche of your uh your employees. You know, there are certainly ways to dis- determine and discover um what people are thinking beyond what they say, you know, and what people are mm-hmm. feeling beyond what they say. They've got mm-hmm. personality tests and you know, how do you feel if you're standing in a bank and, and a black man walks in with a mask on? How does that make you feel? Do mm-hmm. you are you afraid? Do you because there are people who are fearful. They're just fearful. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and that and that fear is what has to be addressed and that fear is what um, you know, we have to start to teach. Uh, why do you feel fearful? Um, what is it? Like you said, what have you been told? What have you been thinking? Have you been watching too many movies? It's, you know, how'd you, what, what, what was the conversation in the household that you grew up in? What is the conversation in the household that you're living in today? And so, you know, that fear um, is definitely there. Um, like, give us a good word because, you know, we, we, we trying to move. And apparently this happened to Ryan Coogler a while back. So uh, I guess a video just was released recently or what have you. But um, it's still, you know, it's news and it's shocking. And my heart goes out to him. Yeah. I mean, my, my word today was just to be my word every day is walk with God. Mm-hmm. Because in those times... You know, he he took on uh, what was presented to him, and that was an ordeal that he was not ready for. However, um, I'm hold, sure hold that thought. Some- hold that thought for us. This is this is really good. Hold that thought. The harvest is here, and the time is now. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Welcome forward now. This is the Millionaire's Roundtable here on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is Lynn Richardson. And we are creating millionaires one family at a time, one day at a time, one dollar at a time and one dime at a time. And that means you. Yes. Come on now. Like, yes. Give us give us this word. Um, how do we take all of this and, and how do we wrap it up and, and give the people some power? Well, I just always say walk with God. You know, because there are so many other ways that think that that could have gone. Had he gotten irate about even the cops coming, if he if he gave any opposition whatsoever outside of just trying to clear up a huge mistake, um, there would have been a whole nother story to be told. Yeah. So I, I just say, you know, walk with God so that your your decisions are coming from a place of love, understanding, and compassion. And just because someone else doesn't have that doesn't mean you get to lose it because you have the opportunity to use what, uh, you know, what God has taught us. And that's to be righteous and that's to be compassionate and understanding. And um, sometimes things will unfold before us that we had absolutely no idea was coming, but that's just how God works sometimes. Yeah, you you you're right. Um, getting getting hot at all of it doesn't necessarily help the situation. But I do believe that we've come upon a time just in in history at this time in the world where, you know, we have just been quiet for so long 
um, and we have held in our emotions when it comes to these things. I remember helping a young man uh, when I first got in the mortgage business and uh, my desk was facing the window so I could see people uh, as they were coming down the street. And I could tell this gentleman was coming to us and all of my colleagues left uh, the front area because nobody wanted to take care of him. Um, he was an African-American man, dark skin, um, and he was, you know, a little dirty. He looked a little grimy. And uh, so he came on in <clears throat> and I, you know, shook his hand and said, welcome, sit down, what can I do? He was a construction worker. <laughs> he had a whole lot of money mm-hmm. and he wanted to buy a house. And mm-hmm. he was dirty because he had just gotten off the site and he had to take care of something and so on and so forth. So we cannot judge a book by its uh, cover. And Amen. we certainly cannot judge people by their color. And um, it is my prayer. It is my hope. It is my dream that we will help people all over the globe build wealth, wisdom, expansion, assets, leadership, transformation, and health. And that includes the ones who seek to oppress. The harvest is indeed here and the time is indeed now.